You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 155, Life in Your Way. Hosted by Dan Terry. Trust me, guys, it'll be fine. Chris McCoy. And Joseph Wren. All night long, depending on who's asking. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you needed more evidence that Metalcore had a formula in the early 2000s, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Chris. Formula. Extreme formula. What's up, gentlemen? What's up, Chris? Been a minute. What's up, Chris? It's been like five minutes, yeah. Did you want to talk about Hope's Fall this week? Do I? No, that's more Dan's band. I like that band, but that's definitely Dan's band. I feel like you've been duped, and that's basically what we're going to talk about for the first few albums. Well, you know, life in your way is kind of like Hope's Fall without the space atmosphere. So, like, you talk about, um, you know, the first couple of Hope's Fall albums, it's almost like Life in Your Way channels the first Hope's Fall album, but then adds in a lot of the uh, modern quality of life changes uh, that you would get uh, out of a band that was channeling Hope's Fall in the, you know, mid-2000s. I guess early 2000s. I mean, they first record was 2003, so it's not like they haven't been in the game for a little while, but... Uh, yeah, no, they're a lot like Hope's Fall, uh, vocally especially. Uh, more specifically talking about Doug Venable's Hope's Fall. <laughs> I wonder Sounds what Doug's like doing. Well, he's definitely not doing this band. He's not, although we are meant to think he is. <laughs> uh, vocally, he sounds very similar. And uh, I, I love that about this band. Is those I love in melodic hardcore those higher-pitched screams where they're super intense, but for whatever reason, they don't sound angry. At the start of their discography, I don't hear the anger, and it is high, it's high pitch. It's Absolutely. the stereotype of yeah. just I'm going to yell at the microphone because that's what I'm supposed to do in 2003. Well, I'm a, it's a hardcore, you know, hardcore bass band, so of course, you know, you have to scream the vocals, but you don't have to be mad about it. <laughs> we can be angry and loud just, without uh, actually being mad. It's fine, right? Yeah, I don't think that they're angry even. Um, yeah, I just get kind of a really, really positive vibe from this band. And um, they definitely are a lot of fun to listen to. I've been listening to them pretty much throughout their career. Um, I have a feeling I'm going to be uh, in the minority here, but I think that they're a great band and have had a really great career overall. I've known of the band since they've, you know, been around. Just, you know, I guess they came around, what, MySpace was kind of popping off back in the day. I mean, when they rose to prominence, and uh, I mean, that was a little bit later on, I guess, in the career. With the Solid State record? Uh, yeah, because they were on a smaller label, uh, which I always want to say that they were called Indianapolis Records, but that's not correct. It's Indianola Records. And uh, there were actually quite a few bands from Indianola Records that I really liked. Uh, I th- And I'm probably wrong about this, but I think there was an Evergreen Terrace album out on mm. Indianola Records. I haven't thought about well that as, uh, yeah, oh yeah, Mercury Switch. Uh, if you if you remember them, they were on. They started out on Indianola Records, so you know it really wasn't that label. Really wasn't like a solid state level of 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 bands, but uh, some of the bands that came from there would go on to become much better. So in, in that case, uh, I think that I don't know. I think I think Life in Your Way just got better and better. But as far as what you were saying about when they kind of came out. That's around 2002, 2003, which I don't think any of us were probably too aware of them at that time. 
yeah, I've been aware of the band, but actually sitting down and listening to their discography and actually listening to them at all was the over the last few weeks. I've never really gave them a chance or listened to them. Well, you're missing out at least some of the time. I don't feel like I missed out too much on the first few records. I mean, but I'm also listening to them with you know 2020 ears versus when that first record came out, 2003. 2003. Yeah. yeah so I mean, so. it's hard to. I get that. You might like it a little bit more just because it's kind of nostalgic for you and you've been a fan of that band since the beginning. It's kind of hard for me to go back being introduced to the band and listening to that for the first time in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard them on one of the very first hardcore samplers that I got, which was an Indianola record sampler. But yeah, I still got it somewhere. I'll, I'll probably check out and see what the careers were of most of those bands <laughs> uh, after that. That is one thing that kind of, I mean, I guess streaming, you have playlists that are built, but I miss the old days of like samplers from like, specific labels that's how i used to find out about new bands yeah because you never knew what was coming next no unless it was a face down sampler then it was like hardcore 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 metalcore hardcore 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 and then maybe a death metal track right just kidding i love you face down records well before we talk about how much dan loves face down i'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast thank you for listening and for subscribing if you are not a subscriber then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com we are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, we love five-star reviews on Discography Discussion. We love reviews of any kind anywhere really uh, i just enjoy reading them whether they're positive or negative uh, as a matter of fact i also really enjoy all of the comments that we've been getting on each episode commenting on the episode sharing the episodes be that on facebook or on instagram is a massive help to our podcast and i really appreciate you guys have really been uh really been have been hawking these episodes to your friends and family and for that we salute you speaking of sharing the episode we got a tweet from Chris V. He retweeted episode 152 and said, new episode. Cigarette Liker says, I saw the chariot at the first Unitarian Church in Philly of the Haste the Day Farewell Tour. On their final song, Wolf threw a drum into the crowd and it clocked my friend in the head and he had to go to the hospital. That show ruled. Any chance you guys <laughs> would do an episode on Coalesce? Yeah, and I think I responded to that. Yeah, I mean, obviously... They're a band I've wanted to talk about for a long time. They're one of my favorites. Just haven't gotten around to it yet, but maybe I need to make it a priority. Did you guys see that video that was on Discord that they posted uh, of the Chariot show where they got shut down mid-show and just went to the dude's house and finished? Did not. That's a classic Chariot YouTube video. I think I've watched that seven or eight times. I'm not going to say it was staged, but it kind of feels like a performance piece. I don't know, man. It's, they, they seem pretty legit when they're like, yeah, apparently we're going to have to stop playing because uh, somebody knocked over a bowl of lemons. <laughs> he might be oh, telling the was, truth. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I think if it was staged, it's probably based on real events. I also want to say thank you to all of our patrons for supporting this podcast. One dollar gets you into that exclusive album review feed along with Movie Mosh full film commentaries and early access to all the shows at $3 or more. Patrick Aspelin says, The best saxophone in metal is White Ward. In regards to our album review of Where Owls Know My Name, have you heard this, Dan? 
Uh, no, I, I just read that comment this morning, believe it or not. So I haven't had gotten a chance to check it out yet. But uh, I'll, I'll get back to you. I mean, you know how I feel about the saxophone. So, so Dan, tell me about life in your way. I'm glad you asked me that, Joe. Life in Your Way is a melodic hardcore band from Manchester, Connecticut, and uh, they were active from 2000 and I'm sorry, not 2000. Before that, they have actually been active since 1999. Uh, took a little break between 2008 and 2011, but as of right now, they are still considered an active band. And uh, but they haven't released a record in a while. Their last record was Kingdoms, which came out in 2011. So uh, they're about uh, nine years overdue for something else for an active band. The thing that I like about Life in Your Way is they are a melodic hardcore band. Of course, they're a Christian band because it's me. And uh, they were one of the first uh, Christian melodic hardcore bands that I had heard uh, all the way back in 2003, 2002. I mean, there there were always bands, you know, before that, like Strong Arm, which we'll talk about next week. And, um, you know, what I liked about them is that I liked them for the same reasons that I liked uh, Hope's Fall. Uh, high-pitched screaming, uh, very melodic guitar work, very interesting uh, dynamic changes in each one of the songs. Uh, the only thing about Life in Your Way, though, is why I always put Hope's Fall ahead of them is because Hope's Fall had a lot of atmosphere with their music, whereas Life in Your Way, while playing a very similar style, was a little bit more bare bones and straight ahead. They weren't as bogged down with atmosphere. So I think for some people, that's a perk. Uh, for me, it wasn't as much, but uh, I've always I've always enjoyed their stuff and I'm pretty excited to be talking about them. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That first album was a hard listen for me. Um, like I said, first time listening to them. The thing about that first album that drove me nuts is the cymbal hits. There's so many cymbal taps throughout the whole album. It just kind of, it was distracting yeah, to like me. It's like constant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I never really paid attention to that before, but now that you're saying it, when I'm listening to it on headphones, I can't unhear it. It's going on through the whole song, even during the heavy parts. Yeah. I'm not really sure how you can maintain that. The way you maintain that is you don't correct the drummer. You basically do the songs in one take, and whatever he does is the song. This is also 2003 where the punk elements were really making their way back into hardcore and metalcore. I'm not saying they were ever gone, but punk drummers have this thing that they do where every physical surface of the drum set is fair game. So if I can click on my cymbal stand or if I can play the stick off of my throne on the edge of the bass drum, whatever you want to do to make the song move forward or to make the groove move forward, you just do it. It's that artificial express yourself type mentality of we're trying to feel the music. I mean, I feel the music when I play drums. It's one of the most important things you can do when you're playing music or any instrument for that matter. But I don't ever get the urge to just diddle on my drum set. But who cares? It's 2003 <laughs> and it's fucking punk rock just with a different name. What I like about this record is, you know, I have to admit the production's a little bit weak. Uh, it doesn't hit that hard. It doesn't have a lot of the modern tricks that bands like this will use, like accentuated bass drops and things like that. But this record has a lot of passion to it. It definitely sounds like the band's first record. Uh, I know they had like a 15 minute EP before this called All These Things Tie Me Down, uh, which there was a little bit of debate as to whether or not that was an EP or not. But uh, in my opinion, it's 15 minutes long. It's an EP. So uh, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. 
But uh, this definitely sounds like a first album. But what I like about it is all the elements and how they're kind of blended together. The songwriting isn't super strong. They're they're still kind of in that old school hardcore metalcore mindset of play this for a few for a second, then I'll play this for for ten seconds, and I'll play this. You know, it could be argued that all of these parts could be put in a randomizer and put back together, and you'd have a very similar sounding album. I don't think we said the name of the record. 2003, the sun rises and the sun sets, and still our time is endless. It's not that endless. I mean, the record's only 34 minutes long. And the earth does spin at a nearly constant the album, break. The album title is a little bit endless. That's a long-ass <laughs> album title. I mean, it's not the chariot long, but yeah, it's it's definitely a long one. You know they were thinking about it, though, when they came up with that title. The whole idea was, we're going to do a ridiculously long album title because, again, it's a thing that happened in hardcore. Well, I think that a lot of thought went into this. I mean, 2003 is not necessarily the heyday for this type of music. I mean, it was still relatively underground. This is still too heavy uh, to be lumped in with like, you know, like a Dead Poetic, which I think their first record actually came out in 2004. Um, They're not as... Like they're, they're still mostly hardcore with a little bit of singing thrown in there. Like I said, it's it's a lot like Hope's Falls' first record, but like a band just stays in that in that zone. Um, I like I like the melodic guitar riff. I think there's a, a lot of there's a lot of feeling put into these songs, and I think really the only thing that's holding it back is the production value, which sounds uh, not amazing. I want to believe there's feeling in these songs. I just don't anymore. I've heard a lot of bands that wanted to be Hope's Fall just replicate the melodic sound of the two guitar back and forth. I don't dislike the songs, but I don't hear the meat. I don't hear the feeling that they're trying to give me. I hear mediocre 2003 monotone production, probably the best they could do, and it matched the style at the time, especially in the underground and the early days of digital production, which frequently comes up on this show. It sounds like the best they could do. It sounds like the band sat down and played the record, but I don't feel it anymore. There's something missing, and I don't know what it is. I don't think it's something a remix, a remaster could fix. The songs are okay, but I said this was a formula because this is the formula that everybody was stealing from Hope's Fall. I stand by what we've previously said. Hope's Fall set the tone and everybody just ripped them off. I mean, I don't think that they're a ripoff of Hope's Fall by any means. I mean, they, I can tell, like, if I'm listening to Life in Your Way versus Hope's Fall. Um, I mean, I think that the band could use a little bit more beef sometimes. Uh, I feel like the heavier parts could be heavier. But again, I think a lot of that has more to do with the production than anything else. Uh one of the I've always felt like life in your way stuff was always produced very um, like very high end heavy. It's not very bassy. It's not very deep. And uh, as we get further in their discography, I'm going to complain about that even more. Uh, <laughs> but with this with this record, I, I what I like about these records is they're a little bit beefier just because they sound a little bit a little bit stankier. You know, they're not. Um, as polished they're not yeah they're not very polished and that actually works for a band like this as a benefit in a lot of ways because it makes it feel more passionate it makes it feel more real just doesn't uh, age very well i don't think maybe not i've got a lot of nostalgia attached to this band so you know 
for me, it's like I know all the songs, I know the records, and so I just think of them as like, oh yeah, you know, I remember this or, or whatever. I, I could see if you were coming in fresh, being like, what? How is this different than you know some of the other bands we've talked about? You know, like it prevails or the Ghost Inside or Hopes Fall or you know, like. Well, that's it. I mean, you grew up with the band as as it came out. I mean, I went back. I don't know, like a month ago, and listened to like Senses Fails, like first EP, which I mm-hmm. love, but it's only. And I still like listening to it because I liked it when it came out. But in all honesty, it's recorded like shit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, these first two records definitely didn't feel like they had much of a budget. Did you guys have anything else to say about the first record? I think it's time for 2005. Ignite and rebuild. You have to shovel the ashes first. You know that, right? No, they're gonna they're gonna just ignite and then and then they're gonna let the rain over several days wash away all of the ashes and then once all the ground dries out and hardens again, then they're gonna rebuild. I, I think on this I next record, I think that was the original name of the album, but they just shortened it to ignite and oh, rebuild. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think the musicianship uh, improved on this record. Uh, songwriting was improved. I I noticed a lot more noodly guitars. Um, yeah, there's a lot more lead work here. Yeah. I will say I, I, the riffage on the in, intro to uh, Threads of Serenity, badass riff. And they obviously like that song because it made it onto another record. Yeah, absolutely. These records are kind of weird. So a lot of people didn't really know about Life in Your Way until they signed to Solid State, and so they kind of took um, they kind of took their best stuff and and kind of put it into the Solid State stuff. But I think for Threads of Sincerity was on uh, Waking Giants, wasn't it? It's either on Waking Giants or uh, Kingdoms. Uh, it's on it's on Waking Giants. Okay. Joe, you said uh, um, something was missing on the first record, and I think what you're talking about is a little bit of Chuggy Breakdown, which they found on the song To the Edge on their second record. They have the breakdown, yeah. but I still don't hear the intensity. The early 2000s hardcore, if you have nostalgia for it, it hits you because that's what you remember it feeling like. When I listen to this, I hear a band in a room playing together, and I appreciate that. But compared to what we have today, I feel like the attitude in the recording environment has changed again, and now we're pushing people to play harder, play intense, play with more feeling. I think the band live probably didn't sound this nice there's more of it there but it's not all there we're still just kind of spacey i don't really think it's spacey i mean i don't i don't get that atmosphere from them at all i don't mean hopes fall we're recording an album about space i mean spacey like (laughs) we're just sitting back enjoying ourselves while we record this album together i don't know man i think i think the secret to success here so like i was really into emo for a while well let's be honest i'm still really into emo but uh you know one of my favorite things and uh, about this kind of music so our joe and my band's end of destiny you know we definitely gave off kind of a similar vibe of having a guitarist that was probably more suited for pop punk or emo than like a hardcore guitarist but he loved hopes fall yeah he did and so did i and so do i uh as do i and, and I hear a lot of that with this, with life in your way, in that you've got somewhere in the creative process, you've got somebody that doesn't want to just be go for the throat heavy, or maybe nobody wants to be. Uh, and that's why, you know, this is going to be too emo for people that like hardcore, and it's going to be maybe too hardcore for people that like more dreamy, you know, emo type of stuff. And um, 
I think with Life in Your Way, the intensity for me comes from the vocals because the vocals don't just sound flat, generic, angry. Uh, especially on this record, he has passion. He has he shows the emotion with his voice, but I don't think it's just one dimensional as a lot of other heavy vocalists sound. And so I do hear that passion. I do hear that intensity, and the the lack of really clean production value kind of intensifies that for me. Which is why I do still like these first two Life in Your Way albums because even though the two of them aren't really that drastically different from one another. Uh, whenever you see these songs translate into a live setting, it's almost like that final piece of the puzzle. And, uh, you know, for, for me, seeing all the people rushing the mic and hearing these sounds through loudspeakers almost sound better live than they do on the record. And they and, always uh, do. Yeah, I mean, that's how, that's how bands get, you know, can get popular, even if they have kind of a lackluster sound on record. That's the reason punk bands town. are popular. It's not the record. It's the live show. Yeah, it's the intensity. I definitely feel like I would like this band more if I saw them live. There'd be just enough beef for Chris to get in the pit and start throwing elbows. Right. Well, and I think I, I think that with Life in Your Way, they, they succeeded in a lot of ways that I kind of feel like hopes fall... I don't want to say that Hope Saul didn't succeed because they did, but um, this was kind of like if you didn't like the more atmospheric direction that Hope's Fall went in, you had this band Life in Your Way that was still delivering it a little bit more hardcore, a little bit less um, pretentious, I guess. It's not that I think that Hope's Fall is pretentious, but they have an idea and they stick with it. Life in Your Way is more interested in making melodic hardcore songs that have intensity to them. And unfortunately, that intensity is just being bogged down by less than stellar uh, production value. But because I grew up with these records, I think that they're all-time classics. Just because, you know, I read all the lyrics and I sang all the choruses, all the songs. Um, what did you guys think of the clean singing on these records? We didn't really get into that. It sounds like classic hardcore metalcore clean vocals. I thought there was a little bit too much of uh, gang vocals on this album. There's a lot of gang vocals. That's the thing, though. It's hardcore. I know. I guess it's just not my thing, then. Not this kind of gang vocals. I didn't really like the clean singing on the first record very much. It just seemed a little too, like, I don't know, pretty. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm I'm walking walking through a sunny field, you know? And when I listen to hardcore, I don't listen to it when I'm walking through a sunny field. Uh, Nor do I really walk through very many sunny fields at all anymore. It's but, very uh, comforting to me whenever a record sounds like the lead vocalist is screaming and the guitarist is singing the melody, because that is inevitably what happens when Dan and I put a record together. So for me, it's that's comforting. That's pretty much what we do, yeah. <laughs> this feels normal to me. Uh, all in all, this is I think this is a good record. I think it's a step up from the first one, but I think the two of them are not different enough from each other for it to, to really make a huge impact. They run together. Yeah. 2007 waking giants have you guys ever wanted to hear life in your way with a budget yes for the past two records that's exactly what i've been looking for this is so good that it might as well be a different band entirely the vocals are just 10 times better on this record they just sound more full a little bit deeper too the guitars are layered the heavy is there. The beef is there. The anger. I hear more anger in that voice. You feel the record. Yeah. This is what I've been looking for with this band. It's unrealistic for me to expect the previous records to sound like this, but if they did, I would feel the emotion more than I am. This is almost like a Ludacris versus Norma Jean situation. They dropped this record, Waking Giants, and you, like, 
you have no idea that it's going to be this good. It's going to be this heavy. It's going to sound this much better. The, the the songwriting is intricate. It's intricate. It's well thought out. It's hard to play. Dare I say even technical for being a melodic hardcore band. Um, the breakdown in Reach the End is just like, I mean, I'm ready to throw down immediately. Oh, it, it was tough. It was I wanted to throw elbows, but I was listening to this on headphones alone in my room, so I wasn't going to do that. You don't ever throw elbows with yourself? <laughs> it's uh, just drywall, dude. There's a joke to be made there, but I'm going to leave it alone. All right. I was talking about shadow boxing. What are you talking about? <laughs> Chris McCoy, the only guy that ever shadow boxed and won. Dude, the, the vocals are so much louder, so much angrier. The guitar, the lead guitar work rules this record. It is just melody after melody after melody after melody with a little bit of dissonance thrown in there. I mean, oh my God, it just, everything sounds super clean and it, it still has the benefit of not having some of the more modern tricks thrown onto it. It's just a really good sounding record and some of their best material to date. And I got to throw out the song Salty Grave, which is my, it is my favorite Life in Your Way song ever. Because it starts off basically sounding like a pop punk song. But whenever it kicks in and that lead, that higher pitched lead guitar work kicks in, oh my goodness, man, it gets so intense. And then his vocals come in, they just cut like a buzzsaw through the center of the song. I, I just, oh, this song still gives me the feels. And at the very end of it, whenever it builds up into this chaotic intensity and then he just screams out, I sing in my salty grave. Like, oh my God, dude. Like, I was talking about Salty about. Grave when I mentioned the formula. This is the sound of metalcore in my head if it's not Kill Switch Engage. It's not a bad thing. Don't kill me, dude. <laughs> this is just, it's got everything. It's got all the stuff in it that I like. If you want to impress me on your melodic hardcore album, start a song off heavy, go into a, a gang vocal laden, like, dirge in the middle of it. Write Hopes Fall on the album cover. Then, then, have, then have the lead singer stop everything and just start talking over the song and then build into one of the craziest breakdowns that you can come up with and I'm going to be on board. And I dare you to listen to Salty Grave and when he's like I learned to either sink or, or I learned to either swim or drown his voice sounds almost identical to mine to the point where people have been like dude is that you on that song? And I'm like nope. I love Salty Grave. I love Reach the End. I love We Don't Believe. I love Threads of Sincerity. The Shame is a good track. Oh, the shame. This record is still in my regular rotation since 2007. It's never left. Um, it, it Life in Your Way went from being a band that I just thought was kind of cool to being a band that, like, I consider them to be, like, the example of Malak hardcore. And uh, I compare a lot of the bands that sound like them to them, uh, and I just think that they do it better. This record is just very immaculately put together. And um, I do have one major gripe with it, though. Turn the bass up, not the bass guitar. Just like the the put it, put more low end into it. This is such a this is such a wanky lead guitar heavy album that I almost can't stand to listen to it on high volume because it's so shrill sounding. Anybody else get that from this? Late two thousands hardcore had the dry bass thing going on. I'm thinking of some 41 and the fact that the bass was literally plugged in direct. No low end, no beef. It's something that was lacking in music that has thankfully returned. 
Needs more punch. It's just, I get it. Yeah, because like even whenever I listen to it on my sound system, I have to like turn the bass booster up quite a bit in order for it to be enjoyable for me to listen to. And um, I think maybe that like I could see that maybe the band sat down with an audio engineer and they came up with this sound and they felt like it was perfect for them. But uh, man, it just uh, ooh. I just have a lot of trouble listening to it on high volumes. Uh, it's one of those records where I actually have to like listen to a lower quality version of it in order to, to get some of that shrillness to go away. You know you can turn the highs down on your sound system, right? Yeah. Try that next time. I did. Instead of bass up. I bassed up and turned highs down. I'm off my game tonight because I missed the opportunity to point out that Dan just said, turn the bass up. I did. It's almost like I've been listening to rap. So after Waking Giants, where the band is basically at their peak, they, this was around 2008, they just decided, well, we're done. We, we've gotten as good as we're going to get. I don't know if that's the reason or not. I'm just kind of speculating here. But, Ladies and yeah, gentlemen, they, it's a hardcore band. Yeah. I mean, they just, how, how long do you think they're going to be around? Uh, so they kind of just disappeared. But the weird thing about, they didn't just disappear. They played like a... They did like a final show. It was sold out. It was amazing. I've seen videos of it. I didn't get to make it to any of the final shows, but that's fine. I'm just talking about it, you know, 13 years later, but I'm totally not upset about it. Not upset about it. Uh, luckily for me, uh, they signed to a record label called Come and Live, which was uh, Chad Johnson's label. Uh, Chad's also the guy putting on Furnace Fest this year. And uh, so, you know, huge shout out to Chad. Please let us come to Furnace Fest. And um, they put out, well, basically, so this is them trolling me hardcore because Kingdoms is technically not a, not a full-length album. It's three EPs. There's the Kingdom of Darkness, the Kingdom of Man, and the Kingdom of God. And uh, they, they released it in that way. You could buy, you could get all these special editions of it. Uh, but finally, somebody was like, well, here's the thing, man. Uh it's still 13 tracks, so just make it into a full-length album. So that's what it is on all the uh, on all the streaming services. 2011. This record is different. I. It's funny that you say that it was three different EPs because I felt like track five there was just way more punch. Like it started, it was something new. Like it was just way heavier. Well, yeah, yeah because that's the. Uh, okay, so first of all, Jake Lurs of August Burns Red was on that song. Right. <laughs> right. So it's it's, it's got to be a little bit heavier to facilitate him. They but found the, the double bass about, pedal with this album. They used the shit well, out of it. The reason why the first four tracks don't sound as heavy as the next five or the next four, I don't know. Anyway, it's divided into three parts. And so track five, Ruler of the Air, is the first track off of the Kingdom of Darkness. And so thematically, the music actually matches the lyrics. So the first the first four tracks just sound like the life in your way that we all know. Right. And then the Kingdom of Darkness tracks, all the way up until uh, Induction, track nine, is all the Kingdom of Darkness. So those songs are heavier and more punchy to kind of meet that theme. To meet that theme. My favorite songs in all, their whole catalog, for sure. <laughs> it's interesting hearing this version of Life in Your Way. They dropped the post-hardcore and went straight metalcore, I feel. That's kind of what yeah. we wanted the whole time. Right. It is kind of what we wanted, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that it's there. It'd be nice to hear her whole record like this, because I'd say, you know, really only a third of it is that way. The rest of it kind of turns, you know, it starts getting a lot more light and airy towards the end, which is, you know, again, because of that that Kingdom of God part of it. Uh, my favorite song on this record is actually the third track, Growth and Passion. Um, I love the clean vocals on it. They sound very punk rock and very cool. 
And uh, it's just a very, very positive kind of vibe, which is weird. I mean, I know not everybody listens to hardcore to be positive, but that's why I listen to melodic hardcore like this, is to get kind of that kind of that light, airy vibe. But uh, yeah, Kingdoms is kind of a weird beast because if you're just listening to it, you might think, oh, it's a little disjointed thematically. But once you start digging into the lyrics and the concept behind the behind the record, you realize that it's disjointed for a reason. It's, it's all 100% intentional. I still have mixed feelings about bands give me this large concept and they expect me to dive into it. But this record as a whole, you can enjoy it even if you don't have the concept. The riffs are there, the production's there, the vocals are there, there's melodic, there's heavy, there's beef. It sounds like the next record by this band. The double bass assault, I like it. And it sounds good. You want more of this, and it's frustrating that this is the last thing we have. Even though the band is technically not gone, they just haven't done anything for a few years. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing about this band is that, you know, this was the logical step forward. So to kind of just have the cord pulled after this was kind of kind of frustrated because like all the stuff that I complained about on Waking Giants as far as the production goes, that's all fixed here. This sounds beefier, this sounds heavier, more in your face. It's not shrill. I don't have to have my own custom settings in order to listen to it. And um, I, I think all the good from Waking Giants is here. And I really don't have any downsides, any bad. I mean, I, I probably could have done without some of the, uh, well, really just the one track where he's just like, the kingdom of God is for blah, blah, blah. The kingdom of God is for blah, blah, blah. Like, it's cool, but I don't know. It's not like the record should have just started with that or ended with that. That's I, the part of the record where you say to yourself, I've heard this. Everybody with this theme says this. I don't need to hear it again. You yourself personally don't need to hear it again. Correct. Uh, and again, that was because that was the first track off the Kingdom of God. See, if you really listen to it, you can tell it was supposed to be three separate products. And that's why there's a lot of this weirdness going on with it. But uh, I don't really have a problem with it. It flows really well. And, uh, you know, this band went out on a high note. I mean, it's just that I don't necessarily know if overall, if they were original enough to sustain, you know, for a long career. Because you've really only got two albums that I think most people have heard. And I don't know if that's going to be enough to sustain a fan base forever. Once the hype's gone, I, I don't see a band like this surviving. I feel I feel that way about a lot of, of, of these Christian melodic hardcore bands because there were a ton of them by this point. And uh, the fact that Life in Your Way is held so highly uh, by a lot of fans kind of really shows that. Though we didn't really have a lot of bands like this. Is the hype gone now? Nine years later, I would say so. I it's mean, definitely gone. 2011, yeah. it's gone. But the band's not done. Not officially. Not officially, but, you know, a lot of bands just kind of fade away, too. They don't have a definitive... Because, like, whenever they broke up in 2008, that was when they were at the peak of their height. So, of course, they're going to play a final show, you know, and, and, and get all of that. But, uh, you know, in 2011, maybe not. Final thoughts on Life in Your Way. Chris. Uh, my final thoughts would be the first two records in my personal opinion, are forgettable. It's something I'll probably never, ever listen to again. The last two records, I'm probably actually going to look on Amazon and try and pick them up. Physical, physical copies cheap, throw them on my shelf. And if this band is going to do you know, anything else and put out more music, take that middle chunk of Kingdoms and with the new, uh, you know, I guess from back then, but what the production is now, that middle chunk in Kingdoms, put that out. Double bass assault me. Or create a new band and call it The Kingdom of Darkness. Dan, what about you? 
Well, all I have to say is that Life in Your Way is one of my favorite bands that sounds like this. One of my favorite melodic hardcore bands of all time. And um, yeah, maybe they don't have a huge lofty catalog and there's definitely things wrong with their earlier material, but I think that they got really good really fast. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to be pretty excited to see him at Furnace Fest. His Life in Your Way will be at Furnace Fest. I don't have nostalgic feelings for this band, but I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I like listening to melodic hardcore sometimes, and if this comes on my playlist, I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to sit down and listen to Kingdoms, and I'm going to enjoy it. Just because the previous records don't live up to the template that some of the other bands had doesn't mean they're not good records. They just don't hit well for me. But the band doesn't really misstep, and sometimes we get stuck on the missteps. And what did they do wrong, and what records am I going to avoid? Overall, the band is solid. If you're into this kind of music, you're going to listen to Life in Your Way, and you're going to enjoy it. So listen to Life in Your Way, your way. Or my way, my way or the highway. Dan, what's your album of the week? My album of the week is not going to be a shock to anybody. Uh, It is Waking Giants by Life in Your Way. Uh, I got to that point in the discography, and I listened to that record like eight times. It's not very long, so you you can do that. And uh, yeah, it's just, oh my goodness. I knew I was going to spend the majority of the time talking about it on this episode. Chris, what about you? My album of the week is uh, Hell From Here by a band called Distinguisher from Las Vegas. They are a heavy-ass beatdown metalcore band. Check them out if you like low-tuned beatdown riffs. Uh, If you can check out a song, check out Drops of Blood by Distinguisher. Ooh. I feel like a piece of shit because I didn't pick some metalcore, hardcore beatdown band. My album of the week is Megadeth. Peace sells. I mean, I could beat some people down to Megadeth. Take no prisoners. I mean, let's beat. Let's, you know, give me a, give me a crowbar. <laughs> or better yet, give me the band crowbar. I just had to listen to it this week. Dave Mustaine got in front of a very large crowd of people and said he's 100% cancer-free. I feel like that's not the first time he's done that. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, the, <laughs> the cancer was afraid of him. <laughs> Take us out, DFT. Have you ever been listening to this podcast and thought, why don't these guys ever talk about bands that I want them to talk about? Well, we can't read your mind. So there's a lot of ways that you can reach out to us to tell us how you feel about the show in general and what bands you want us to hear us talk about. One way is on Facebook, on facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can talk to us on Twitter at Discuss Metal or at Discuss Metal Dan or Discuss Metal Joe, respectively. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on our Discord server. Just click the link in the show notes and it will take you to the wonderful world of Discord where we are always chatting and always watching. And on that note, this has been episode 155 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please, send questions and comments to show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, can I have some money? Checks in the mail. Future's not so bright.